Hey gang, Ross Brand here for StreamYard Connect. Welcome everybody. It is the show where we talk about all things StreamYard, including updates to the platform, production techniques you can use to enhance your broadcast, and everything going on in the world of live streaming and content creation. I'm Ross Brand. We got a lot to talk about today. PodFest was this past weekend, and we did a live streamers meetup. We did a live broadcast, both sponsored by StreamYard, and also there were several other conferences of interest going on, micro-conferences that we're going to talk about. Our guest today is Neil Gallarte. He's the co-founder of the Cinema Vos uh, conference. It was for uh, voiceover artists and people wanting to get into the voiceover game. It was a bilingual conference and one of the real impactful micro-conferences that went on as part of PodFest. We want to talk about that. We're also going to get into some of Neil's ideas as far as content creation, uh, particularly he has some strong ideas about podcasting and whether podcasters should be live streaming, why they should be live streaming, how they should be using live streaming, and where live streaming fits into the content mix when you talk about podcasting, live streaming, and your YouTube channel as well. So this is going to be a very exciting, fast-paced show today, and I can't wait to talk to Neil. He's award-winning uh, producer, audio, video, and does uh, a lot uh, really across the entire spectrum of what we create digital content for, whether it's podcasting, whether it's YouTube, but also for TV, for radio, for film, for commercials. Neil pretty much does it all in the production area. He's got a wealth of experience, and he's been a part of the PodFest family since basically the beginning of the event. So a lot to talk to him about as well. Again, the show is StreamYard Connect. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I'm Ross Brand. Our three pillars of StreamYard are ease of use, stability, and professional looking streams. You can see the co-founders there, Gage on the left and Dan on the right. That's Gage Vandentop and Dan Briggs. And they are super responsive to the requests from members of the community, and we'll talk about that in just a second because they have some new features that you've requested. Just a reminder, you can go to several different destinations. You can go to Facebook Live. You can go to LinkedIn Live. You can go to YouTube, Periscope, which gets you on Twitter, and our newest destination. Now it's probably a couple months we are going to Twitch as well. And if you want to go to one of the destinations uh, that is not supported among this long list by StreamYard, you can use RTMP. That means you get a stream key from the destination you want to stream to. You enter that into StreamYard and you can connect as long as that destination accepts RTMP. So a lot of different ways you can get to go live using StreamYard. Of course, we have multi-streaming as well. If you're on the basic plan, you can go to two destinations. If you are on the pro plan, it's up to five destinations. We are going to five destinations right now. We are on the StreamYard Facebook page, which automatically gets us into the StreamYard community group as well. We're going to both my LinkedIn Live and to StreamYard's LinkedIn Live accounts. 
and we're going to my uh, Twitter slash Periscope account, and we are going to the Twitch channel for StreamYard. There'll be a quiz on that <laughs> in a little bit. So let's get to uh, the new features for StreamYard uh, announced on the town hall just on Sunday. There's a new character limit for banners and for scrolling text. As you can see in the image on the screen, if you're watching on video, you see the scrolling text that goes along the bottom of the screen. People had been asking for an increase now. Instead of 120 characters, you have a 200 character limit. I'm not even sure I've ever gone up to the 120 character limit, but a lot of people wanted it. Uh, On the town hall, Dan Briggs explained that the reason they put a limit is because it's to help guide you. Limits kind of force you to be concise. And so by putting a limit on this, it, it flows with the ease of use idea. It kind of guides you into doing something that's going to look good for your broadcast. This is what 120 characters on a banner looks like. Um, more than than I would need for what I'm trying to say for that call to action there. And so now you can load it up to 200 characters. But unless you really need it, it's still best to to keep things concise when you're putting on banners or scrolling text uh, on your on your broadcast. A couple other updates as well. Names will now stay on the screen. You're not seeing me use it right now, but if you toggle on the names of uh, your broadcasters, your guests, uh, the names will stay on the screens when you add scrolling text. In if you're in the side by side view where where it's full screen, uh, half and half, the names will move up. And you also have the ability to add more banners and overlays. Not sure what the limit was. I think it was maybe 25 on banners or 25 on overlays. If you need more now, there. There's the ability to add a bunch more, so you can do that as well. Let's review briefly what went on at PodFest. It was an awesome time. Saw so many members of the StreamYard family, StreamYard users, power users, uh, and we held our first ever live streamers meetup at PodFest, and a wonderful turnout. We had about 40 to 50 people show up. Not everybody is in the picture or stayed for the giveaway, but it was sponsored by StreamYard, and we gave away a lot of gear and and had a great time. We want to congratulate the winners. Kelly Roberts, you may know her as Kelly Publish on YouTube. She won an Elgato green screen and Viltrox, two two LED light panels from Viltrox. Uh, Stacey Greenberg, who ironically enough, won her ticket to... Podfest when she was on my live stream deals show when Chris Kremitzos was a guest, the founder of Podfest. She uh, was a winner again. Uh, so she considers me her lucky charm or something like that. So she won a Samson Q2U mic and newer boom arm and Rick Savoy uh, at Drink with Rick. He won a Logitech Brio 4K webcam. So Hopefully that gear will uh, help them all elevate their broadcasts. It was a good time, and and thanks to StreamYard for sponsoring. 
that was Friday afternoon, Saturday morning. Rob Greenley, Hall of Fame podcaster and vice president at Libsyn, and I went live. Uh, we did an hour broadcast, and we talked about a lot of what was going on at PodFest, including the micro-conferences, one of which we're going to talk about in depth with the co-founder in just a couple minutes. Uh, but we talked to uh, several different guests. We had Dr. Tachi. It was her first conference. She's the host of Mediascope. She's been featured on this show as uh, one of our Spotlight users. Uh, and she talked about a lot of different things. And, of course, she's never hesitant to take on the tough issues when it comes to her her shows. So we asked her about the coronavirus and conferences and how they should handle things. We got into a little bit of that, but we talked about a lot of different things related to content creation, podcasting, live streaming, StreamYard. Um, Emily Prokop joined us. She's uh, the host of the Story Behind podcast, also has a book by the same name. She was a Webby Award uh, finalist, actually, up against Serial and some other big podcasts. A uh, very talented broadcaster. She joined us. She was part of the podcast editors micro conference. She told us a little bit about how that went, a little bit about what's involved in being a professional podcast editor. And then our our final guest of the day was uh, my good friend Dale Roberts from Self Publishing with Dale. Not just an expert in self publishing, but very talented YouTuber, live streamer, podcaster, content creator. Uh, he was. Uh, part of the first panel of the second day of VidFest, along with Eddie Garrison, who most people here know. And uh, Eddie did a nice wrap-up on PodFest as well, which I would check out on his either his personal profile or his business page. I forget which one, but you might want to check that out later as well. He did a nice summary. So it was a it was a good time. Uh again, thanks to Rob Greenley, Hall of Fame podcaster from Libsyn for co-hosting with me. Thanks to StreamYard for sponsoring and thanks to Dr. Tachi, Dale Roberts and Emily Prokop for joining me. You're watching StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand and we're here every other Wednesday sponsored by StreamYard. And we're talking about PodFest, we're talking about content creation, we're talking about content strategy, voiceovers, and a whole lot more. And I'm very excited to bring on our guest. It's Neil Galarte, and he is the co-founder of the... Let me get the right uh, screen up here, Neil. Uh, here he is. He's the co-founder of Cinema Vos. It was... Uh, looked like a phenomenal conference. I happened to pass by several times. I happened to be following you guys on social media, and you. you're by far the most active <laughs> event at PodFest on social media. And let's start. Let's start with that, and then we'll get into uh, you know, we can get into live streaming and YouTube and podcasting. Yeah. But talk about why you decided to put together an event focusing on voiceovers and focusing on bringing people. And from really from all over the world. Well, first of all, Ross, thank you for having me. And thank you for stopping by. I, I, I'm actually more sorry that I didn't get to actually stop and talk to you for a little bit. Um, but we're honored to be here. Uh, listen, Cinema Voice was a long time coming. I had spent many years partnering with one of my best friends in the world, Chris Kremitzos, who created PodFest. And when it came time for me and my business partner, John Garcia from Colombia, 
we decided to do a conference quite on our own originally. And he is a voiceover professional from Colombia. So his voice is in many marketing videos all over the world. And of course, I worked in film and podcasting. So we decided to do that. When uh, we had a chance to speak with Chris, he offered us the opportunity to sort of incubate that conference within PodFest because he felt that bringing an international component to PodFest would just be a value add. Our reason for doing this was that the world of podcasting has exploded since 2014 when I first got started. And there's been like a 65% growth even just in female voiceover acting in the voiceover world. So they're both just experiencing a huge increase. And to top it off, I wanted to stop thinking so local, so national. I wanted people to start thinking I, as an editor, I could be editing voiceovers from around the world, audio from around the world. And as a, a content creator or as a voiceover or even a podcaster, I could be working with international brands. And thus we birthed Cinema Voice, which is basically movies and voice, because many of our voiceovers, they did the they did the voices for like Lion King in 92 in Spanish all over the world. So they came from cinema and they wanted to educate podcasters that there is another option to use their voice and vice versa. So it was an amazing idea that I'm almost sad it's over now because it's finally born. Um, and it was a huge success and, and a big shout out. Thank you to my partner, John Garcia and Chris Kremitzos for for really working hard with us to make it happen. Well, one of the things that stood out and, and it's something that if I ever put together a micro conference or a larger conference, <laughs> I want to be part of mine. And that is the experiential side of yes. it, where people aren't just listening to lectures, but they're. They're doing media, they're creating, they're getting practice in learning the art and doing it and taking something concrete away from it. And um, it not just did it look like there was outside media there and sponsors there, but it yeah. looked like you guys were, were always doing something. Tell us about some of the experiences yeah. that the attendees had at Cinema Vos. Easy for me to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Listen, as a content creator, as a video pro, it was really important to me that they not come and listen to, you know, hours of people just talking to them. So first we had 305media.tv. Huge shout out to them. They did live interviews with our guests, attendees and speakers all day long, all over the world. As a matter of fact, some of our guests from other countries, from Panama, from Colombia, Spain, they actually heard us on that station. That was actually how they were able to learn about us. As far as the conference itself, we actually had voiceover pros from all over the world doing voiceover techniques, how to warm up your voice, how to talk on a mic. That benefits everybody. As well as we had also some interactive, like they um, they showed a movie scene and then they muted it, called up attendees to the front to read the voices in other languages. That was hilarious. <laughs> we had a lot of laughter, a lot of Spanish music a lot of vibe and really we just wanted to create a fun first time experience that we knew they would then bleed into PodFest, where we already know what that energy is like so we just wanted to make sure we were a good partner we just wanted to make sure that we were a great entry in shallow water you could say like right. they get the experience through us we showed them a creative fun and more international vibe before they move into this monster that is PodFest, where they just love that dual experience, which is why we did a dual pass from the beginning with PodFest. So thanks for noticing that because that really was our primary objective. Um, and listen, it went off. What, what made me laugh the most was we had a couple of just English speakers only, and they did not leave the entire day. We had to get a separate translator just to sit with them. But they didn't want to leave the room where most of the time you feel uncomfortable when something's in another 
language, but we actually were primarily in English. We just had a couple of speakers from other countries and we had a translator for them as well. Are you planning to do it again next year? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and bigger and better. We, we, we were uh, overwhelmed with the experience. And afterwards, now we're hearing so many positive things. Um, listen, we, we wanted to birth it. We knew it. We had something. But now that we've seen it in action, even now they're still buzzing on, you know, talking to us afterwards. <laughs> that they already miss each other. They already miss the, the camaraderie. Um, listen, I, I also feel like it was just something missing in the community. Like we're all on a vocal, we're all on a microphone to some degree. Right. We, we may not all be voice acting, but some, you know, there's audio dramas and podcasts and there's what I call radio voice, right? Some of us have right. to put on a show. Um, and I think we did a good job of combining those people and letting each other know that there's opportunities on the other side of the fence for both of them. When you look at putting together this conference, when did you start thinking about it? And what are some okay. of the main things that are required of a co-organizer of, yeah. of something of this magnitude? Well, the idea was John's about uh, we had met at PodFest. He was technically like a Lyft driver and he just only got in because he dropped off a speaker and she offered to get him in. <laughs> And he had told her he does voiceover. He's from Columbia. And so he basically met me. I never heard from him again for over half a year. About a half a year later, he tells me this idea he's had since he lived in Medellin, Colombia, a dream of uniting voiceover artists with other content creators and, and get them out of this bubble that is only in Hollywood. So it's been about a year and a half, maybe a little more in the planning stages of it. Um, as far as what it takes to sort of do this, it takes a ton of commitment, um, being told no on a first time event became literally uh, the everyday word. The, um, you know, be ready to, to, to tackle not having the support you, you, you wish or assume you have um, until you prove your worth. And so I was just honored to be able to unite all the connections I had in the film and TV world as well as podcasting along with his vision. And I was beside myself this past Friday at PodFest where I just sat in the back and watched all these people dancing and being happy and <laughs> had never met from Argentina, from Canada. We had a guy from Germany. And just to see all those people just dancing, and it, it warmed my heart. It made me realize we, we did the right thing. Um, but it takes perseverance. It takes a ton of effort. And I have a whole new respect for Chris uh, working now, even at the smallest level of a microcon. I cannot imagine what it takes to run something like PodFest right now. What advice would you give for people who may be considering voice Doing over one. work? <laughs> is it is it is it an option for everybody? Do you need to have like that booming radio voice? Uh, what what do they look for when when companies or films or commercials are, are looking for a voice actor? That's a great question. And I don't want to blanket it in saying that it's easily for everybody, but it certainly is for everybody. If you're willing to train and put your work in, it's no different than being an athlete, right? You need to get into the voiceover world and train yourself to create a range so that you could do anything from, let's say, a cartoon type voice to a serious read to a, a movie. We had a room full of people that had done voiceover for gaming uh, so in the Xbox world and in the PS4 world, they've done voiceover for cartoons, commercials. Um, they've been as the intro for many podcasters. They've done voiceovers for that. So as long as you're willing to train yourself, that you're willing to learn a discipline, it's really no different than becoming an actor. Um, now, what I saw as an opportunity was if you've been podcasting for a long time and you've sort of hit a ceiling and you've done it for eight, 10 years and you're wondering what's next, there's an opportunity to take like even you, your voice is awesome. So you can take that <laughs> voice and maybe become a voiceover artist because other countries, just like we translate our work into Spanish, 
you know, their our work into Spanish. They want their works in their language that uh, translated into English, and they're looking for people that know how to talk on a mic. To have some talent to be those voices, and who better than podcasters and broadcasters that have been doing it already? Wow! So there's a so lot more opportunity than people might think if they're just looking at the domestic scene and yes, saying, sir. "Oh, we I always hear time. the same voice," you know, on every TV promo or whatever. Most voices are from Mexico in the Spanish voiceover world, and um, that has swung open. And understanding now, there's companies in Atlanta, Los Angeles that are making Miami now doing major film pushes and audio, and they need new talent. They don't want to keep hearing the same person. And what we saw was just who better than guys that are already doing it to step up to a new genre. It could also open up new financial opportunities for them as well. If they are maybe not getting the sponsorship they wanted on the podcast level, they could earn a nice check being a voice for a major cartoon or a network or a brand. You know, so and vice versa for the voiceover person who's been doing it so long, maybe they can have an opportunity to create a podcast about that world and or become a broadcaster. So we just see huge things next year. We hope to add just the last missing piece, which is sort of the content creator, the YouTuber, the visual media. Uh, big shout out right now. Uh, University of Kansas. They have a brand new podcast called Juntos in Spanish to help people get help that are coming from other countries and they need medical assistance. People like them could be at Cinema Vos next year, not just as a podcaster, but maybe be doing voiceover for the medical brands that they're that they're working with we're talking with so, neil galarte yeah. he's the founder co-founder of cinema yeah. vos me and john the, garcia <laughs> the founder of wild style media group and uh, let me just get his uh if i have it here let me just get his bio up for just just hey, it's just the me. highlights <laughs> uh i'm talking the as i mentioned he owns wild style media group co-founder of cinema vos he's the host of the all things post podcast he directed the podcast documentary the messengers yes. which gave people the opportunity to see what the world of podcasting was all about. He partners with Central Florida Dreamplex to support children with disabilities. And he's got a brand new YouTube channel, which uh, goes by yep. his name, Neil Galarte. And wow, thank you for that. <laughs> it's, a, it's an honor to have you on. I I first uh, saw you speak at MapCon, now IndiePodCon, oh, wow. uh, this past year. And your talk was really memorable to me because Thank you, Ross. you you brought it. I mean, you had a definite angle on what you felt people in the yeah. podcasting world needed to do, where live, live streaming. streaming fit in, <laughs> and what the yes. ultimate goal would be. In your own words, can you tell everybody kind of what your thoughts are? Because we do have podcasters who use StreamYard yes. to record podcasts, and mm -hmm. obviously we have a lot of live streamers here. So this is sure. really relevant to this audience, I think. Sure, Ross. Listen, when we were together in Atlantic City, which, by the way, that's where Lou Hastings also spoke, and he was at Cinema Vol, so shout out to Lou. Yeah. Um, Listen, what I wanted to bring to MapCon, having had been there before, I always was speaking about podcasting, especially even when we did the movie The Messengers. It was really about finding your voice. But what I wanted to bring last year was more than finding your voice. It was finding the courage to take your now podcast, your now show, whatever you have, and move it to YouTube, which is now obviously had made a huge comeback at this point, and create a, a brand, whether not just YouTube, but you know, to live stream, whether you choose to use Facebook Live or all the myriad of live streaming options, was take your show now to that level and create a visual brand for what you've already worked hard to create. And the message I really wanted to, to kind of push down on that yeah. in that conference was 
it's time to move there now then not later. Don't wait till everybody else gets there and now you're just one in many. So there are many podcasters that have now mastered podcasting and they're great storytellers, but they're still hitting a ceiling on listenership or they're, they're saying, you know, why am I not growing at the rate that I want? Well, that's because there's a million people like Neil that like to watch things on video as intimate. And as much as I like podcasting, you're going to get me to watch a YouTube video or a live stream way quicker. That's just me as a visual person. Mm -hmm. So I really want to encourage people out there to always look at it more in tandem. I spoke about this at Cinema Voice, which is create a podcast, create content, but do not go without creating some level of visual content to go with it. It's not about, am I cute enough? It's not about, am I worthy enough? We all have content. We all have opinions and expertise. It's providing your audience that content on every platform where they can possibly be found. And in, and where they want where they want to hang out where they want to be with like minded individuals so um, I'm still very much about that I actually hope to return to now Icon this year with Joe Pardo we spoke right. at Podfest about bringing some of these things back up there now that we've done Cinema Vols and sort of kind of round it out again and revisit the idea of being way more than just a podcaster matter of fact I'll end with this in the sense of this topic is we created a new word. We called it a vocaster at Cinema Voice because you're a voiceover person that podcasts and vice versa. Who is that new person that does voiceover podcasting and YouTube content creation? And we called them a vocaster because we felt like that's the future. People are becoming more and more multi-platform and that's where we should be so that we can reach the, the greatest audience. Ross. So for podcasters, um, I, I, I do it the opposite way. I, I go live, I create my content live, and then depending on time and schedule and yeah, how good it was and whatever, I decide, you know, maybe I'll rip the audio, I'll make a couple of edits, maybe I'll add an sure. intro and, and add it as a, as a podcast um, and also put it on YouTube, generally for me, the podcast is the one that gets the least audience because I started live streaming. Then I added YouTube and podcasting. Although I've been doing it for a few years, it definitely is the, the piece that people least think about when they go to look for me, which is funny because I come from radio, but I often say that live streaming is really talk radio with webcams. Whereas (laughs) podcasting to excel at it, it's, it's a totally different, medium in a lot of ways do you believe that that podcasters should be doing live stream podcasts or do you think they should be using podcasting more like i'm using live stream more like an adjunct to promote and market you know talk about who's going to be on the podcast who was on the podcast why you should listen share clips maybe on on instagram YouTube, what do you see for people who have started as podcasters yeah. and are excelling in what that medium? What an, what an excellent question, and there's, I would like to answer it in two short parts. Number one, I absolutely love your workflow backwards because someone just asked me at Cinema Votes, says, how do I know where to invest my time? What platform should I be on? And my answer was, be on the platform that you've already invested time to be known and uh, respected in and trusted in, and then work your way backwards to the ones that will help you grow your audience. So I absolutely love your answer of working where you were already strongest and now you're working your way back to some of the ancillary platforms that could help you grow. So first of all, congratulations. I loved your answer because I wanted to touch on that. Number two, 
at MapCon, I said, you should use live streaming to, like you said, as an adjunct, something to just market and preempt the audience and let them know Saturday at 12 o'clock, come to my show. Uh, 1 p.m. on Friday, I'm going to do this. But now, uh, it's been about a year since we, we've seen each other there, I really do think that we do need to start seeking the opportunities to take our podcast on the road. I talked about this at Cinema Boss and live streaming more and more. Ross, let's be real. The world is getting more and more digital. We're getting more and more to the point that we're watching everything on our phones and mobile. And mm -hmm. I think we're missing a huge opportunity if we're just picking an intimate platform and because we're afraid of our looks or are we good enough? Are we commercial looking enough? I mean, God, if I can do it, anybody can. Um, I think we need to be out there. Now I will caution this. Don't just do it to do it. It's not for everybody um, because there's a different level of work, as you know, in video production, video editing, lighting. It introduces new hurdles right. that you may not be able to either afford or have the time to actually do. And I really believe if you're going to do it, you need to do it at a high level. So I just think that podcasters should start to think about if they're going to think about doing live streaming. Don't just do it. Do it well. Do it like Ross is. Look at that. The lighting, the set, the microphone. There's time involved that we're not even appreciating that you've put in an hour or two before your show just so that I can see your background compared to this horrible one that I'm showing you now. <laughs> so uh, like I said, congratulations on what you're doing. You're actually the perfect example of what I was talking about is that you're embracing where you're best known, trusted, and respected, and now you're working backwards to gain those assets on other platforms. I love it. This is StreamYard Connect, sponsored, of course, by the live streaming app StreamYard. If you aren't hosting your show yet with StreamYard or recording your podcast with StreamYard because there is a recording option, you can hold on to your recordings. A StreamYard holds on to your recordings for seven days. You can download either the video or just the audio file or both, as I do, after each show. Uh, get started with StreamYard. Go to StreamYard.com slash Ross, StreamYard.com slash Ross to get started for free. It'll also save you money when you decide that you want to upgrade to one of the paid plans and get additional features and the ability to add your branding. But to get started, you can stream for free for 20 hours a month. Uh, StreamYard, again, it's high quality. It's easy to use. You can get your guest on with just a link. You don't need uh, a lot of technical expertise. Uh, the guys who, who run StreamYard, Dan and Gage, have really put together a platform that works well. It works well whether you have a great internet connection and microphone or whether you have a weak internet connection and you don't have uh, pro gear. That doesn't matter. They really mix the audio and video together and stream it out nicely so you can look good and look professional in doing what you do. Again, StreamYard.com slash Ross to get started. We're going to continue on with Neil Galarte of Cinema Vos. I'm so fascinated by this topic that Neil brought up and we've been talking about related to podcasting and live streaming and YouTube do you believe that the ultimate opportunity for those who want to make a business out of content creation is to have your content on YouTube, whether it's creating videos specifically for YouTube or repurposing parts of a live stream or a podcast where maybe you're running video while you're recording the podcast? Is that the ultimate destination or is there no, no sort of ultimate destination where you want to be if you want to monetize, whether that's monetized directly through sponsorships and affiliate marketing and things like that, or whether it's, you know, 
set up sort of a showcase where people can find you and hire you for your for your products and services? Wow, Ross, that's a loaded question because like I just said, you wanna be invest you wanna be where you have most invested your time already to be known, trusted, right? So the answer to me would technically be no, you know, you don't have right. to go to YouTube. You could be a successful podcaster like John Lee Dumas that monetized it like crazy. Um, but the reality is I just think we cannot ignore today that there are pod um, I'm sorry, that there are platforms right. where people are shifting their attention to or are having more time spent there. And to me, when you're trying to create content, the whole reason to do it is to reach an audience. So try to be where the audience is at. And today, let's be honest, people are moving to YouTube in monster numbers. They are using it not just for just simple video to store their videos. They they have millions of followers. They're streaming live. They're they're creating uh, brand new content and they're creating super edited high-end content. So why wouldn't you want a piece of that, right? And if you think of the big picture, when you're, when you're overall looking at your brand versus just your show. So my answer to that is, um, again, to go where you've invested the time. But hello, we explore by nature. And I think you should, by all means, at very minimum, get your feet wet. Test out these platforms because you could be missing a huge audience that is wanting to hear your content, but you're not putting it there because you just don't want to make the time. Our friend, our mutual friend Kyle Bondo is watching on LinkedIn. Hey, says, Neil, it's, it's great advice, and it certainly is. As someone who creates digital media for companies, for uh, productions, TV, audio, podcasting, video, everything under the sun, it seems wow. like... <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think, um, particularly for live streamers, what do you think uh, is an underserved niche or what what would you like to see when you say this is a missed opportunity for live stream? Is there something that you see out there that you say somebody should jump on that? Maybe that's where live streaming is going or that's the way somebody's going to find a monetizable audience within live mm -hmm. streaming. Yeah, you know, what a great question. And I will tell you, and this is in no way a plug for our event that we just did, but it's the wake up aha that John and I had, which was we have to stop thinking national. And mm -hmm. so although it may not be a specific topic that I'm going to give you an answer about, like this is the topic we should jump on that no one's found. It's we should be thinking globally now. At this point, you should be thinking, how can my podcast, how can my message, how can my voice be impacted in other places that are English speaking? Let's, I mean, look at the example. I mean, right. the best example is you have the guys that run Captivate and you've got our amazing Brits that come down each year mm -hmm. to PodFest that have they're based. They're not based here, but a ton of their business is here. Their voice is heard here. So I think that for all of us, we need to start thinking about the impact that your voice makes in South Africa because they understand English perfectly well. And, you know, in Venezuela, they teach English a lot. So we should be looking at a more international brand, maybe touch on more international topics on on whether it's product services or needs that are more global than just nationwide. And I'll leave it with this. Uh, shout out to my buddy, Ralph Lugo. He, he's a guy who always tries to, he does professional audio. He just asked me the same question you had, like, what should I, what should I start with to get like a great impact off the gate? And I said, I don't care if you want to talk about a UFO or you want to talk about a wedding planning service, talk about it on an international level. Stop talking about it on a localized level. That picture you're, you're posting is the, the exact uh, example I'm talking about is a room full of international thinkers. And that's what I'm trying to hopefully along with my partner, John, 
is to inspire people to start podcasting for the world and stop podcasting so localized. However, there are local niche and that's fine. But, the, you know, God, I say to people, God made an earth, not a state. So right. go and explore it. Oh, it's a great view on things. <laughs> yeah. What are, What are you talking about on your podcast? All things post uh, post production obviously is a major theme. What are some of the things um, people can learn by tuning into your podcast? For the longest time, I was simply interviewing people that were. I always say the movie the the, the list at the end of the movie, the credits as they roll. Right, right. Giving giving them a voice. But uh, I took a big hiatus for a little while, especially during the planning of Cinema Vols. So it's back now with brand new shows, and we're really just talking like with the very uh, first episode is about being stuck when you're switching in between two softwares, whether you're an editor and you're stuck between two NLEs or two audio DAWs. What happens when you're trying to shift to one, but your clients are keeping you hostage in one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, things like, uh, you know, the tech, um, how to be entrepreneurial in a editor mindset when you're more of a behind the scenes guy. Can you mm. still find an entrepreneurial voice? That's a big focus for me. And lastly, all things post, you know, the more powerful part of that isn't even the podcast. It's our Facebook group with uh, hundreds of editors in there from as big as the ones who edit the TV show Empire down to the beginner guy. And we help each other there to for them to find the entrepreneurial side of themselves, even though the majority of their time is in a cubicle or in an edit bay serving the needs of others. And that's what a big focus for me is just helping the creatives find their voice, still be a support system, but have their own voice to, to rely on. So that's what we talk about on All Things Post. I welcome all of you guys to our Facebook group. Uh, with a big old hug can you hang out for another 10 minutes yeah absolutely so if anybody has any questions for neil please do throw it in the chat he's obviously a wealth of information on a variety of topics when it comes to content creation and production well speaking of post-production tools coming from live radio into live streaming this is probably my weakest area is post it's not something that i started out doing it's something that i've slowly learned from iMovie and even my podcasts i edit now in screen flow along with my videos wow. <laughs> um, what tools do you think that people who are coming from a live streaming uh mindset and want to start adding some editing what what would you recommend they do either tools they should use or, or techniques they should study? How would you recommend they go about start learning that post-production skill set? Mm -hmm. I love, I love this question because I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give what I call a little bit of an unpopular answer. Um, a lot of podcasters, especially at conferences, they're quick to say, you know, giving people the easiest barrier of entry. Oh, just grab on, jump on GarageBand and just use mm -hmm. iMovie. Or if you're on the PC, just, you know, use all of these affordable free services. And the answer to that is, of course, never let anything stop you from starting, right? right. Get involved in shallow water the best way that you can. I'm all for that. My answer is a little bit different because from the minute I started, I wanted to play at a higher level. And I believe that when you're starting off as a content creator, you're entering a world now that is extremely saturated. Everyone's trying to find their voice. So now what's going to separate you from everybody else is not only your content, which is primary, but mm -hmm. it's also going to be your level of post-production, the level of time and the level of effort that you're willing to go to. So my answer is try to step up as soon as you can comfortably afford it to, to some more pro tools, not just because they offer more within the software as far as sound effects, better libraries, better sounding libraries, better editing tools. But you're also going to start playing at a level where now the people you're meeting in post 
are higher level. It can help take your show to a higher level. So for example, when I started, I started using Logic Pro X because I was an Apple guy mm-hmm. and um, and I could have easily gone to GarageBand, but I went to that because they cut albums in Logic Pro X. Many of the world's biggest DJs use this. And funny, since I started doing that, that's exactly who I started talking to and who I started working with. And those are the guys who taught me some of my mixing techniques wow. that I now use. Vice versa with video, I started with Final Cut Pro because it was easy and quick to learn. A lot of people are on Premiere. Um, I'm currently using Resolve 16, um, DaVinci Resolve. These are higher level, but listen, at what level are you wanting to play at? Right. And right. The, the question that you have to ask, and this goes back even to Cinema Boss, did I want to just do this at a Ramada Inn in the middle of nowhere, or did I want to partner with Chris Kremitzos, who has taken PodFest to a new level, and I want to birth my conference at that level? And mind you, there's a monster fear of birthing at that level because he's already curated an incredibly powerful audience that is picky, that wants quality, and I can't just start and grow and learn. I had to come out of the gates like a pro. And I guess my answer to your question, as long-winded as it is, is maybe let's stop thinking about just always using the entry level and being entry level so that we can play at a higher level, which will attract sponsors, will attract engagement, and um, and like yourself to get to a, a little bit higher level. And then there's always going to be the place for the beginner. But just like there is there, there's also places for pros. And I think that's what we should be aspiring to as content creators so we can compete with the Netflix and the Hulu and the right, millions of right. other places that they can go for content. Does it matter for people stepping up whether they choose Final Cut Pro or Premiere or I mean, what it you mentioned Resolve something? Then we need Resolve. What was it? Resolve? Resolve. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter anymore. It used to matter. There was always the, the, the Apple guys versus the Windows guys. You know, uh, What matters is not the editor software. It's the editor, right? right. So it's, uh, listen, focus on the amazing content. Use the one that has the least learning curve for you. And of course, within your budget, all I'm asking people to do, and I'm hoping that my brothers and sisters in content agree, is we have to raise the bar. And to do that, some of us have to be willing to put some hours behind a new NLE or a DAW right. and, and go to another level with our podcast. And you know the audience loves it when you start leveling up those shows and adding production value to the show. Uh, all of a sudden, they're listening and sharing with their friends instead of going stagnant. We got a question from Cato Bell. He asks, uh, Neil, any thoughts on brand casting? Oh, I'm not too familiar with what brand casting is by that terminology. What exactly is that? I'm not sure either. Um, I assume it it means probably brands creating their own content or their own shows, branded content or in-house content. If it's that, the only thing I would like to tell all you independents is stop fearing that because the brands are now creating podcasts and by the way, high level, highly produced content that you feel that they're going to overtake the market and boot you. That's not going to happen. Um, Rob Walsh from Libsyn did a talk at PodFest where he specifically showed that 99% of the market is independent and that 5% is highly polished, produced uh, brand casting. So I would just say stick to your guns, grow your audience, expand your platforms, and, and you'll be great. Lou Hastings hey, Lou. is joining us. That's my brother. Good to see Lou. Uh, met him you, at Lou. MapCon uh, as well and then saw him over the weekend at Podca- at PodFest. Uh, Cato says, yes, in-house high productions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, is, is, hey, Oh, I was going to ask you, is there a role for the independent creator working for 
companies that are creating their own productions or are they using oh, yeah. only the biggest production companies and film houses and so forth? I mean, they are right in some places mm-hmm. they are, but there's certainly a role in like I have one of my friends, Fabiana Lowe, shout out to her. She's uh, the head of production at Shriners Hospital, but she produces their podcast their videos, but she had her independent podcast for a long time. So where are they winning? They're winning from her bringing that independent outlet, that independent mindset to their more structured brand. And listen, like I mentioned earlier, the University of Kansas, they, they work in a Spanish podcast. Uh, podcast called juntos very structured very rigid but every day because they're out there doing it they're they're creating and they're expanding that to be a more flexible a little bit more funner so yeah i believe the indie person brings a level of fun a level of uh being more loose to these more structured podcasts and they they truly do benefit from that level of production uh expertise i think from being out on the street independently yeah Kyle Bondo is watching on LinkedIn. He asks, how long do you need to invest in video before you start to see some traction? Wow, that's that would that's wow, Kyle, that's no different than me just saying, you know, how long should you date a girl before she kisses you, right? That could be a day or a year. I think in anything that we get involved in, what we just talked about, like at what level are you gonna play in when you first step in is gonna determine how fast you're gonna get a result. When I started podcasting, I remember asking myself the first day, will I do this for five years? Will I do this for as long as a college degree takes to get? Or am I going to do this just until I get bored? Same thing with video. Am I just going to own a media company or do I want to own the best media company I can? Um, Now, a real answer, so you leave with an answer is normally it does take a minimum of six months of constant content before people truly latch onto you because they see you and they see you. Well, maybe he's there in three months. I'll keep watching. But a good half a year into it, you're still grinding. You're still plugging along. They're going to suddenly wonder what they've been missing for half a year. And so you have to create that FOMO, right, (laughs) by creating constant content content um but i'll say this a million times at what level of ball do you want to play that determines the fans more people watch nfl than high school football right what level do you want to play football at and then that's when you'll get the results from the fans and from the listeners wow that's good advice neil thanks so much Thank for uh, spending some time with yeah. us Thank you. Uh, i'm super impressed with the cinema vos event oh, that you, you put on um people take a look at the instagram it's at cinema.voz v-o-z at mm-hmm. cinema.voz check it out on instagram these folks had a blast they learned a lot they <laughs> did to make me feel things for i mean <laughs> <laughs> you should have worked them harder Neil. they had too good hey, listen, the next door neighbor was asking us to turn it down and i just kept walking up and going okay turn it up like we if that's the energy we're generating i want that to uh generate and move right into podfest so i'm glad that we had a little piece of that pie <laughs> yeah and again thanks for bringing your insights here a little bit of, of tough course. love for people in terms of yeah. if they're only doing podcasting, it's time maybe to break out and go to the next level with some video. And if you're doing video and you're still hanging out on the free tools and <laughs> you can afford to step up, maybe hey, step you? up your game, learn a little more, and compete with people who are creating the same quality content as you are, but they're wrapping it up in a in a better in a better box and a better I don't know. I, I don't I have that. the word, the exact words to put it, but you know what I'm saying. They're they're polishing it off a little bit better, and there's then they're able to level up just because that's what people expect in mm-hmm. in the media at the next level. So 
Uh, Neil, again, thanks so much. It's, it's an honor to have you on the show. And take care, everybody, and have a great day.